You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. This morning we're going to continue in our study of the book of Acts. Last week Justin kicked us off with chapter 1. We'll be in chapter 2 this morning. And today as we begin chapter 2, we are looking at the beginning of the church, the Lord's church. And as we read in this chapter 2, we, we see some things happen that really are phenomenal of how this first day goes. And as Justin brought chapter 1 to us, he, he brought to us that the there in chapter one, ver- chapter one, verses fourteen and fifteen, that a large number of disciples, 120, matter of fact, 120 disciples, counting the apostles, who had been following Jesus, came together at a place in a building, and they had been gathered together for around ten days, waiting for the arrival of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus had told them that this was coming. Now, as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to, and we see the start of the first century church, we see how the preaching and the teaching goes. There's a template that is set in the first century church. Number one, there's always a proclamation of the gospel. Number two, there's always a call for repentance. In the world we live in now, I'm afraid that's lost in a lot of cases. That people are not given the gospel. They're giving a gospel that is not from the Lord. It's called prosperity gospel. That's a man-made term for a man-made theology. That we get caught up into thinking, if I do this, God, for you, you'll do this for me. And there are preachers out there that preach that because they want a lot of money running through their hands. But here's the facts. The fact is we are to be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we in our message of salvation call out for repentance. Because repentance is the basis of our coming to God. That we repent, that we turn away from who and what we were to become His. So here in chapter 2, verse 1, we read, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And as we had just looked in chapter 1, verse 15, there was 120. Day of Pentecost, what's significant about that? Well, Jesus, some approximately... 50 days earlier, had been crucified around the Passover. There were three major feasts that the Jews had to participate in and required to come to Jerusalem for. Passover was one, Pentecost was the other. So you have millions of people who are gathered in the city of Jerusalem. And what's significant about that is that this will give opportunity for many, many, many people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now these 10 days have passed as Jesus has ascended 
back into heaven. And they're waiting. And so this wait is now come to fulfillment here in verse 2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone was present with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. A lot of, of confusion exists in 2022 because of these verses of not grasping. Tim, can you get a hold of that thing? <laughs> it happens. It happens. That was not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, it says, And everyone that was present in verse 4 was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other language. And the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Who received the Holy Spirit? 120. Just not the apostles. 120 people. There were 120 people that experienced this phenomena. And there were three distinct phenomena that happened at this event. Number one, there was an audible phenomenon. Number two, a visible phenomenon. And then three, an oral phenomenon. You see, the sound from heaven, like a mighty windstorm, was the audible. And several passages throughout the scriptures tells us that God uses this, his breath or wind to do things, such as in Genesis chapter 1, the breath of God blowing over the waters created the newly earth, created earth. Genesis 2 created man with blowing life into him. Ezekiel 37, the Spirit of God, his breath or wind moving over dry bones of Israel gave them life and strength. This was God here at this place. This, these 120 experienced. A loud sound as a rushing wind. We may compare that to something like a tornado. Hearing that, those of you may have heard that kind of sound. And then it talks about the visible. It looks like flames or tongues of fire appeared above their heads. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist said this about Jesus, that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So these are things in which they were looking for and it would make sense to them to happen. And then the oral phenomena was people began speaking in different languages, different dialects. Different languages that people could understand. So, well, here's something else very distinct about this. It never happened again in this way in Scripture. You cannot find it in any other place in Scripture in which... This phenomenon happened this way. Where there were the mighty rushing wind sound. Where there were tongues or flames above the heads of those individuals. Or that people could just start speaking in a different language they didn't know, anything, didn't know before. 
This is the only place in Scripture in which these things took place in this way. And you can read and you can search all you want. And this is the only place. Now there will be gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were talked about in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians. And we'll read about here in Acts. But it's not this. And so that needs to be very plain. Because people have taken this passage and have misused it. It made statement as if you haven't experienced some of these things. Or one of these things you're not truly saved. That's not correct. This is the only place it has happened. Now, verse 5. And in time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Excuse me, at that time. And they heard the loud noise. This wasn't a sound that just those in the room heard. It said that people outside of that building heard this loud noise. And everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by believers. The 120 were speaking in these languages. The people heard the loud noise. They were out in the streets and they came running to see what that was. And they were hearing the gospel being taught in their own language. They were completely amazed. And they said, how can this be? Verse 7. These are all people from Galilee. And yet they're speaking our own native languages. And in verse 9 and 10 gives you the list of nations that were from all over the known world at that time. From Asia, from all around the Mediterranean Sea, from Europe. And yet they were hearing the gospel message from all of these people. And he says, we're hearing all these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. In verse 11. They're hearing all the wonderful things that God has done. And they stood amazed and perplexed and said, how can this be? What, what does this mean? And then there's always the skeptics, aren't they? There's always those people who are the doubters. And they say, oh, they're drunk. They're drunk. No, they're not. And then Peter steps up. And he's going to be the one to present the gospel in depth and tell about Jesus Christ. And Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully to all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of, Ju of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. You know. Peter was a fisherman, by the way. He knew something, I'm sure, in his past life about drinking. But yet, he stands up and he goes on to say, in verse 16... No, not what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Now, Joel chapter 2 is where Peter's going to draw his message from. This is prophecy in Joel 2 about what is happening here in Acts 2 and what would be happening later. 
In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. And the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter is quoting from Joel 2. And throughout his sermon that he's going to give here, yes, it's a sermon. He's going to be preaching that he is quoting from Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. But here in Joel chapter 2, as he's quoting here, he is bringing forth that the Holy Spirit, as God said, I will pour out my spirit. The Holy Spirit was being poured out here on the day of Pentecost. This is partial fulfillment of prophecy in Joel 2. Because then he will come back and talk about here in Joel chapter 2 about the glorious and great day of the Lord when it arrives. That will be the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Joel 2 is talking about what has happened in Acts 2 and what's going to happen at, when Jesus returns again. And in between he talks about the great tribulation that's going to take place. But see, these people... Most of them knew scripture. They would read and study in the synagogue scripture. They knew about Joel too. So this registered with them. Unfortunately, Christians very seldom, not all, but most Christians don't study prophecy. And don't study the Old Testament. And when I was a kid growing up in the church I was brought up in, you were told oh, the Old Testament didn't have anything to do with you now. Blows my mind. Right, Dennis? Blows my mind how that can be said because it has relevance on us all. So what Peter does here now, he says, remember, Joel is telling you there's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit. There will be miraculous dreams, visions, and prophecies, which we saw through Jesus Christ, signs and wonders regarding the day of the Lord, which means the second coming, the signs that are pointing to that. And then he gives them an invitation at the verse 21 to call upon the name of the Lord. He offers, he's, Joel will say, there will be salvation. And Peter's going to offer this salvation to the people who are gathered. So it says in verse 22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles and wonders and signs through him, as you know. Because many of the people who were gathered in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost had heard or had seen Jesus Christ do miracles over a course of three years. They had seen his signs and wonders. Many had. Some hadn't, but many had. So that made them witnesses. And Peter says, you saw these things. In 23, but God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was portrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. 
And, but God re- excuse me, released him for the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in his grip. There are three proofs that Peter gives right here that Jesus is the Messiah. Number one, in verse 22, his wonders, his signs, and miracles. And then the other proof, the prearranged plan that God had that was carried out by murderous men. Everyone heard about Jesus being nailed on the cross. Those people knew that. And then the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There was over 500 witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. So there were three proofs given. And, these, and many of these people in the crowd could have seen him. So then Peter moves on and starts talking from Psalm 16. And he goes verse 25 to 31. And because of our lack of time, you're going to need to read these verses on your own. But he taught, there David is prophesying about the coming Messiah and how the Messiah would die and be placed in the grave and God would not allow him to stay there and rot. And he raised him from the dead. And for verse 32, Peter says, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. All the people they said they were standing up there with him, he said with the other 11, we are all witnesses of this. The 120 who had been speaking in different languages were all witnesses of this. Peter is telling them, we are all that are standing up here witnesses of this. Now he's exalted to the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father had promised as the Father had promised and gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. So he is telling them that Jesus, the man they saw perform the miracles, the man they saw nailed to a cross, the man that many saw resurrected, is the Messiah. And they didn't even realize they had been witnesses of the Messiah, but they had been. And he goes on in verse 34, saying, For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at the place of honor at my right hand. The Lord said to my Lord. He's talking about the divinity. He's talking about Jesus being God. The Lord said to my Lord. And this is David. People don't think David was a prophet. But he's having a prophecy here. Until I humble your enemies. And making them a footstool under your feet. Verse 38. So let everyone in Israel know. This is Peter talking now. Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. So Peter uses three Old Testament references here in his sermon. And they they knew Scripture. And it registered with them. And if we would study more about prophecy... We, things would register better with us 
of seeing the promises of God fulfilled. Giving us hope. It's what prophecy does. It gives us hope that are believers. Because we see it develop in front of us. So, Peter tells them, David understood, and he proclaimed the deity of the Messiah. David understood. He had given this prophecy thousands of years before, and yet Peter says, you crucified him. You didn't see it. And when he said that, Peter's words, verse 37, pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what do we do? What do we do? Why did they say that? Because the Spirit was moving across this audience, this crowd, and it was touching hearts with the message of Jesus. But it was up to them to accept the message or not. But what do we do? And Peter said, verse 38, repent. First thing comes out of his mouth is repent. Think about it. When John the Baptist preached, what did he preach? Repentance. Repent in Matthew 3, verse 2. Repent. This is John the Baptist. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When God sent Jonah to Nineveh, what was his message? Repent. Repent. And when Jesus began his ministry, Matthew 4, verse 17, he says, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist started out his ministry teaching repentance. Jesus started out his ministry teaching repentance. And here Peter opens up the first day of the church with a message of the gospel saying repent. And repent means to turn away and change from what you're doing and how you're doing it. To be transformed So Peter says, repent, change, be transformed, turn away from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and those who are far away have been called by the Lord our God. You see, the first thing that Peter said is repent. Turn away from sin. And the second thing he said they must do is be baptized. He said, you've got to make an inward change. And then being baptized is an outward sign of an inward, inward transformation. You see, it's not, he didn't tell them, you be baptized and you're going to be saved. He said, repent. And change your ways. Now I want to read verse 38 out of the Amplified Version. And Peter answered them, repent. Change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. 
and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of and the release from your sins. Now, is a lot of people get hung up on what it says here in verse 38 to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. No, if the if you word study this, it says, and we get lost in our English language sometimes. But what it says is that you repent and you be baptized because of forgiveness of your sin. It's not the water. Baptism is something we're commanded to do because it shows us we're followers of Jesus Christ. And according to Paul in Romans chapter 6, when we do this, we're reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection. As we're showing that we have buried and died to sin and come up. But without repentance, that's just getting wet. Without giving your heart to God, it's just getting wet. Repent. Repent. Change how we're doing things. Change how we're living is what God wants us to do. And he says here in the last verse, that's 39, and this promise is to you and your children and generations far away and all those who have been called by our Lord, our God. There's not a certain number going to be saved. There's not only a limited number getting into heaven. Everyone who obeys, repents, and gives their heart to God will be with God for eternity. And if you haven't done that this morning, it's time to do that. This same message that Peter preached 2,000 years ago is just as relevant today. And you've heard this message. You've heard this gospel. Jesus Christ came to this world as a man. Gave up being equal with God. To be a slave and a servant for us. He walked this earth 33 years. He gave his life on a, on a cross as a criminal. So that we could have our sins carried on his back and he died and he walked out of that grave and released us all from the devil's hell today's the day of salvation let's pray Father God thank you so much for releasing us from sin through your son Jesus and Father, my prayer is if there's, no, if there's someone here who hasn't given their life to you and is still under the bondage of sin, Father, that you urge them to seek us out. They can be released through your Son, Jesus. And I pray, Father, if we have those who their heart is stirred this morning by the Holy Spirit, that they respond to that stirring and they accept the Holy Spirit's priding and allow the Holy Spirit to move them into a direction to let you guide their life and you rule their life and you be the king of their life. That today is the day of your salvation. Thank you, Father.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.